Because if every single person listening to this episode today thinks about themselves, if you think about you becoming a better mother, a better human being, everybody around you is going to be better. Yeah. Why don't we make 2022 the year of the individual? Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Tamina Watson is the founder of Watson Immigration Law and is a lawyer, author, and activist. She is the author of Legal Heroes in the Trump Era, as well as the Startup Visa book, which just released its second edition. She is a contributor to Above the Law and Entrepreneur Magazine, as well as has been featured in many other outlets such as CNN, GeekWire, Puget Sound Business Journal, Scary Mommy, and more. Tamina was featured as the Puget Sound Business Journal's 2020 Woman of the Year and as one of Business Insider's top startup immigration lawyers of 2021. Okay, today my guest is Tamina Watson. Hi, Tamina. How are you? It is such a pleasure to have you today. Thank you so much for having me, Sidrola. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you and learn from you. Oh my goodness. I think we're going to learn a lot from you as well. I think that the work that you do in terms of immigration is so vital and so important to the conversation that I cannot wait to get into all of that. But before we do that, we want to learn a little bit about you. So I ask all my guests, what is it that you are most passionate about right now? Right now. I'm so glad you asked this question because it's going to be an unexpected answer. <laughs> I'm, okay. most, I'm most passionate about birds. I've become <laughs> I love it. I've, I've become a birder in COVID. And it started with just watching the birds on my deck to now going far, far away to different parks and watching birds and taking pictures. So now in 2022, I'm embracing myself as a bird and nature photographer. And it's something that is at the forefront of my mind. And I'm so passionate. And I just had an article come out yesterday. I'll send that to you about how birding made me a fantastic lawyer. I mean, I was already good, but it just made me better. I love it. I love so many things about what you just said. First of all, I love that it is so off, like you said, so unexpected that you said that you're passionate about birds because I totally get it. Like I've watched birds, you know, we started watching them a lot because when we were home in 2020 because we put out bird feeder and all these birds would come and they have all these different personalities and sounds and all of that. But what I also love is that you said that you were good but that you got even better. And I love that you own your power. That is so, so awesome and so important. Thanks. So 
I know that you wrote an article, but tell us a little bit about how those birds made you better. This is so exciting to me. Yeah, you know, I think stepping back a little bit so people know who I am. I'm an immigration attorney. And if you tune into my accent, I'm an immigrant too. I moved from the United Kingdom in 2005. And I started practicing immigration law in the United States in 2006. And if you think about immigration law and the trajectory of it since that time, it's not been an easy journey for anybody. Whether you're an immigrant, if you're a business owner, if you're a U.S. citizen sponsoring somebody, everybody has been affected in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And I have been an advocate. My advocacy just grew and grew and grew because I couldn't really help anyone to the to the extent they need. We can get to the finish line somehow for mm -hmm. some people, but not for everybody. And for those who, who can get to the finish line, there are just so many twists and turns. There's no, no such thing as simple. Mm. And uh, yes, it keeps me busy. It keeps me challenged. But I really want our clients to be able to get from point A to point B as easily as possible. And that's not something that is easy in this country. But it's not just immigration. In the last five years, we've had a tumultuous time here, whether mm -hmm. it's civil rights and education, healthcare, and all of that mm -hmm. really just got exacerbated during COVID. Mm -hmm. The inequities, which you know, I'm sure you know about, mm -hmm. have been exposed. You know, all the um, division has been exacerbated. So, as an immigration lawyer who is so close to the community, it's it's all it's been a challenge. And during that time, particularly in the last five years, I had to figure out how do I take care of myself so I can be better at taking care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because when you are an empathetic, sympathetic person, you cannot help but take on the burden and the stress of somebody else into your own lives. And if you do that over and over again, the compound effect is that you become less effective. And that stress paralyzes you and cripples you. Mm -hmm. So over time, I started a meditation practice so I could really protect my mind so I can be con continue to be good at what I'm doing. But when COVID struck, everything went upside down, mm. <laughs> you know, okay, from an immigration perspective, people who were in the U.S. couldn't leave, even if they wanted to leave. People who were outside the U.S. who needed to come back they couldn't come back. It's almost like a monopoly board of the world sort of, you know, had its walls just go whoosh up and yeah. everybody was stuck where they were. From an mm -hmm. immigration perspective, that brought unprecedented legal challenges. Wow, I can't even begin to imagine that. And I didn't even, I mean, you think about it surfacely when it's not affecting you. But as you say that, I do, I'm, and I'm thinking about it more deeply, I can see how that would be such a challenge. So challenging. I mean, just one, I'll give you two examples, one of a person inside the country, one person outside the country. Mm -hmm. One person inside the country who uh, had finished their program or whatever work they had, and they needed to leave by a certain date. Mm -hmm. If you do not leave by that certain date, you are now illegal. You are out mm -hmm. of status. Your mm -hmm. return into the U.S. becomes uh, jeopardized. That's they right. want to leave the country. They want to go back to Europe or wherever that place was. They found an air uh, flight from point A 
to point B. However, there were interim stops. And those interim stops in those countries would not allow this person to enter. Therefore, the person could not get on that flight to go from point A to point B because the stopover was problematic. That became a common issue. And the question was, how long does this person stay? How long does this person, you know, give it to just be able to get on a flight? Mm-hmm. And what do we do for immigration purposes? So that's the kind of challenge we saw here. For some people, we did take immigration steps, but those became very delayed. And that's a story for another time. But that's a snippet mm-hmm. of how that challenge began. Now, let's talk about the person who's already been in the U.S., their immigration paperwork was in process, they went outside the country for whatever reason, suddenly that image of the walls going up meant the person couldn't come back. And Mm. what that meant was this person's immigration status in the US was denied, could not come back, cannot come back now. And, you know, two years on, the person is still outside. Now, these families have been torn apart. You know, these are U.S. citizen families who are now living in different places. And COVID, in the meantime, has essentially taken lives from some of my clients, family members who are waiting for visas. Mm. And so what was happening, and I will just take, like, if people need a timeline, I'd say end of February, March 2020 to, let's say, June, August, June, July, August 2020, that period. It was tumultuous for every single one of us. Mm -hmm. Whether you're figuring out how to do Zoom schooling, how to actually, you know, work from home. Do you have the technology, the mechanisms, the internet bandwidth, Mm -hmm. even be able to do Zoom schooling or work videos? All of that was happening while all these legal challenges were happening. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. how do you escape that for your own mental health? Mm. And that's how birds appeared in my life. You know, I love it. You know, I I didn't even know a year later, two years later, I'd be talking about it. Mm -hmm. I was really just like, oh, these birds were always here. Oh, (laughs) those wings are red and they expand this way and that way. And the beak is big and long and, you know, pointed or like a hook. Oh, that's interesting. And Mm -hmm. so you're right. They have different personalities. You know, one will car away and shoo the small birds away, you know. And then the small birds will just go, ooh, I'm going to go get, pick that one and then leave. <laughs> and and you, it's sort of like I have three children's books in my head already. I just don't have enough time to write them. <laughs> um, but that's how the birding came along. But what it did for me is it, it brought me moments of joy that helped me withstand these unprecedented issues that I was dealing with that you were dealing with, your clients, your friends, everyone is dealing with. People didn't know how to deal with it. And inadvertently, by accident, I discovered birds. And what's ironic is my husband had been feeding birds for three years. He had always worked from home. So he was feeding birds. But I would leave the house when it's dark. I would come back when it's dark. Who's got time to look outside? (laughs) You know, I had to choose between feeding the kids or bathing them. Which one do we do today? You know, Mm -hmm. um, so suddenly I'm like, oh, the birds were always here. And so that joy was abundant. 
Mm-hmm. The word mm-hmm. abundant is now in my vocabulary that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. And it's made me a calmer human being. Mm-hmm. It's, I've become a more appreciative human being. I can now think about climate change in a more tangible way. You know, just like you said about immigration, you think of it as this on the surface. Climate change, you know, yes, we all feel it, but you don't necessarily, you're not advocating for that. We can only do so much. But the birds have taken it to a different level where when there was that oil spill, I forget where that was, maybe California. Yeah. I felt so sad for the birds and their wings and the ones that died. Yeah. I just, these emotions that I didn't know existed have arisen out of me. But what the effect is, is that I was always a loving human being. I would cry for my clients, my client who says my child is sick and I need to keep this job because it gives me the insurance I need for my child. I would have cried for them. I still cry for them. But what I'm better able to do is actually guide them better, think about what they might need better, while also not necessarily taking the work home in the way I used to. So that compound effect of positivity is transformational. And 2022 for me is a year where I really want to spread the message of love. Because if every single person listening to this episode today thinks about themselves, if you think about you becoming a better mother, better human being, everybody around you is going to be better. Why don't we make 2022 the year of the individual so that if you are a better individual, everything around you will have that ripple effect. And no matter what your profession is, whether it's an educator, a healthcare provider, an immigration lawyer, a politician, no matter where you are, that ripple effect will be felt. Yeah. Well, my goodness. We have so much to unpack here. <laughs> and it all started with birds. Started with birds. Oh my gosh, I love it. And absolutely, I am, I'm so with you on the individual, each of us individually becoming more loving and better humans in order to create the changes that we want to see. It's one of the things that I talk about also in my work when I'm talking to individuals, when I'm coaching individuals and I'm saying to them, okay, you have the things that you believe, you have the things that you want to see in the world. But what we tend to do as humans is we tend to compartmentalize that. At home, we're going to have all these these visions and all these things that we want to do and we want to see. And then we're gonna go to work and we're going to see things that, that buck up against what we believe and what we want to see and how we would like our environment at work to be, but we won't say anything because we think, oh, well, work needs to do, it's a different place. No, we are the same individuals wherever we go. And once we can tap into being that individual, that person, wherever we are, that's where we're going to affect change organizations, businesses, industries are all made up of individual people. And we look at these industries and these organizations and we say, well, that industry is doing this. 
and they shouldn't be doing that, or that organization is doing this, when in reality, it's the people within that industry or that organization that are doing this. And if you are part of that industry, it's like when the media says, well, the media is doing blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you are the media. And you're not make, doing anything differently. So why is it that you would separate yourself in that way? We can't really separate ourselves in that way. We have to be the change. You know, as Mahatma Gandhi says, we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. And that doesn't mean only in certain places. It means all the time we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. I can empathize, but I cannot begin to grasp the pressure or the, the pain that comes with the, the scenarios that you, that you just shared with us. You know, when, when people are, they're doing everything that they're supposed to do, that they need to do, they're trying to, they're working to do it the way that they've been told is the way that they need to do it. And then these roadblocks come in and there's no real recourse put in for that for you know those scenarios and so here you're looking at a situation that you feel that you have no power to 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 do anything about and i just can't even begin to imagine how that that works hey thanks for listening my name is Sidrola Maruska, and I help entrepreneurs and small businesses go from mediocre to magnificent by transforming their cultures to be more equitable and inclusive. To find out how we can work together, go to diversitydish.com, where you'll find my consulting, coaching, and speaker information. Diversitydish.com. I look forward to working with you. It's difficult. But. It's difficult. And what I will say is, first, I would love for people to read the article uh, that I will send you because please, I think because that, I would love to put it, put the link in the show notes for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. You know, people often use industry or work as a, a vehicle to do something they don't necessarily want to do or they think it's not me. It's OK to do that. Right. You know, but it's it's so important. I think if the again, I come back to birds because birds have helped me go out to parks, walk in silence, watch nature, watch nature. I've, I mean, one of the things I love doing is catching photograph photographs of birds in flight, mm. and you know, you know, flying with something in their mouth or catching a fish or something. Nature is so beautiful. Nature is a loving place. You know, yes, you know, there's an ecosystem. One has to eat the other. Absolutely. Us humans do not have to do that. No. (laughs) But we can learn from nature about love. And if each of us, let's just talk about immigration for just a moment in this context. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are doing what they're supposed to do. A lot of people need help in fixing the things that they had no control over. Mm-hmm. And so right now, there are 11 million undocumented people in this country. Mm-hmm. They're contributing to the economy. Mm-hmm. They cannot collect social security from it, but they are contributing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, COVID was an example that exposed the lack of workers, the lack of so many things. But the one place we were allowed to go to was the supermarket. 
Mm-hmm. And while two years later, we're dealing with supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. In those very few months, we were still getting those shiny apples in the grocery store. Who was picking that apple for you to have in your kitchen? A lot of these people are immigrants. Mm-hmm. If you look at the milk industry, a, a very large portion of them are immigrants. The agricultural industry, the healthcare industry, you know, the technology industry. If you think about each of these components in their silos, they're being held up by immigrants to this country. Mm-hmm. And so where would we have been without the immigrants holding up mm-hmm. our, our communication, our businesses, our education and everything? So mm-hmm. when you think about that, we need to make things better for everybody. Yes. And one of the things that people forget is, oh, I don't want to help the immigrant or I don't want to help this situation because it's going to affect me. That's not the kind of individualism I'm talking about. I'm talking about individualism where you love yourself, therefore you will love others. Right. Without ego, love yourself without ego because the selfishness of you is what is holding us back. And there's a collective emotion that is that way, but we need to create a collective emotion going the other way in the way of love. And so what you deal with all the time where you where you said you're talking to individuals, it's hard for people to understand. It took me two years for the penny to drop when, you know, ha- you know, where you're listening to the speech of or reading the speech that Martin Luther King gave, like only love can uh, overcome hate, hate, you know? all of these things that you listen to all the time, you listen to it all the time. Therefore, you don't listen to it anymore. Yes, you don't hear it. You don't, you don't actually hear it. hear it. And 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 it's true. When people say, I'm not going to do this because they think that it's going to affect them personally adversely. For example, you know, they don't want they don't want everyone to have health care because you know, lazy people, I'm gonna be paying, I'm going to be paying for lazy people to have health insurance. There's so many things that that <clears throat> people use an argument for to say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to work with immigrants or immigration because they're going to affect, it's going to affect me adversely. Mm-hmm. When the reality is not doing it affects you adversely. Yes. Not exactly. allowing people to have health insurance means that there is the, that, that, they cost us more in taxes because they still have to be cared for in some way, shape, or form. So if they go to an emergency room, someone is still paying for that. It comes down to you're still paying for it. It's just whether or not you're doing it willingly or you're doing it or it's being taken in a way that you don't see. That's right. Everything. Mm-hmm. everything and I say this all the time but I'm going to continue to say it until I start hearing a lot more people saying it to me <laughs> and that is that there is not one thing in our society that is not affected by racism and discrimination and until we can dismantle that system that white supremacist system that white supremacist thinking Everything, everyone, 
is being adversely affected by it. Some definitely more than others, but everyone is being adversely affected by it. I agree. There's no one benefiting. And what I will add to that are two things. The first thing I will add is this this discrimination and racism, even within minority communities, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and when I come back to the notion of love and individual love for themselves, it would really help every single person. And no matter what your viewpoint, whether you're in a minority group, having discriminatory thoughts, or you're not, the love is the basic human foundation of everything. The second thing I will add is a common misconception, the one that people hear the most, is that they, whether it's immigrants or other minorities, they are taking our jobs away. Right. You know, and in this moment in time, in history, in the history of America, it has been exposed to be a lie. Of course. At this moment, it was always not true. Right. But now it is evidently not true. Mm-hmm. If you look at every small business, and I have this conversation practically every week, multiple times a week, <laughs> businesses saying, well, I can't find a worker for this, and I can't work find a worker for that, whether you are a construction company, or if you're a technology company, or you're an architectural company, every industry is lacking people. Yep. But the hospitality industry, particularly, the ones where you need manual labor, for example, whether it's a a senior care home or it is a resort where they need janitorial help or you name it, those workers are not there. And so when this concept of they are taking our jobs away is raised, this moment in time is the evidence that is not true. And then who is harmed? It's the consumer that is harmed. It's the American. Yeah, we're all harmed. harmed. And so immigration really should be looked upon as an economic strategy to revive what we have gone through. And that is where I come back to love because we can't bring change. We've been talking about immigration reform for 30 plus years. We have talked about immigration reform in the last, you know, eight weeks. We were so close yet so far. And, you know, even what is happening in Congress at the moment with the Build Back Better bill, mm-hmm. it's in jeopardy. We don't know if it will happen or not, but it right. is and should be looked upon as an economic strategy for the better of every single individual in this country. Right. Well, this country was built on immigration. So it is, it, 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 it is a foundational precept of this country. Can this you say that one more not- time? the country doesn't work without immigration the idea that there are people who are supposed to be here and other people who are not supposed to be here is absolutely ridiculous when you are looking at the history and this of this country right examples Nordstrom (laughs) Nordstrom he was a he he was a European uh, immigrant to the United States Levi's, the person who created Levi's jeans, Mm -hmm. was a European immigrant to the United States. Mm -hmm. Walt Disney was a second generation immigrant to the United States. All these names that have 
put America on the map, they're immigrants. People mm-hmm. just need to learn a little bit more or understand or appreciate their own background. One of the things that yeah. um, has also caused some sort of interest in myself is ancestral history. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are able to track your own ancestors, you can learn that they came from somewhere else. Where did they come from? If you are not Native American Indian, mm-hmm. you have come from somewhere. You are. You came descendant. from somewhere else. You just, <laughs> yes, just ex- you know exactly. So I will ask people to read my book. It's a small. It's a short one. The two things I want to mention. You mentioned Mahatma Gandhi said, "Be the change you want to see." It's a mantra that is so close to my heart. It's I, I treat it as a mantra because often, you know, when you see crisis, you think somebody else is going to do something about it. Right. But then you're like, why isn't somebody doing something about it? You have wait, to step wait, up. Wait, I'm somebody. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I wrote a book in October 2020 called Legal Heroes. And I start it with be the change you want to see. And I would love for people to, to see that. I'll definitely but, put it, the link in the show notes. Thank you. And the second mm-hmm. thing I want to mention is I wrote a book called The Startup Visa. And the first edition was in 2015. And I mentioned I moved to this country in 2005. I've been still learning. I was still learning. And I had to learn about history to mm-hmm. be able to even write this book. Mm-hmm. So the first chapter is dedicated to some historic facts. Uh, of immigration. And, you know, if you want a snapshot of immigration, I would encourage people to read the first chapter at a very minimum. So you just have an understanding for yourself, because I looked at it from an immigration perspective. And Mm -hmm. there's the summary will be helpful for people to understand. If you continue to read the book, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But history is, I think, very important for us to appreciate, Mm -hmm. because that's where we take learn to take ourselves to the future yes and I think you know something that you said is that we need to learn we need to learn a little bit about immigration and definitely we need to learn uh, about history of this country and that is a conversation for another day but learning about the the smallest thing if there's something that you feel that you have some type of opinion about learn a little bit about it learn a little bit more about it because you might find that you change your opinion about it or you might find that wow the information that I gotten was kind of skewed or was kind of wrong and this means or this shows me that this that this is you know something different it's so important to do that because I find that you know there's there are ideas and, and words that people throw around. They throw them around freely as if they understand everything about them and they don't understand the, even the basics about them. And so, and you can always tell because they throw them around and you go, wait a minute, that doesn't make, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't make sense, right? So we really need to, to, to educate ourselves on these things. I will definitely Put your links in the show notes because I do want people to go ahead and look at and pick up the books that you've written so that they can find out a little bit more. And I love how you have correlated the the slowing down is really what you you you've talked about the slowing down and the watching how nature unfolds 
to get a sense of grounding and a sense of who, who you are and what, where you are and where you fit into this whole scheme of things. Like you said, we can't do everything. You know, there's so many things that we can touch upon, but we can't all do everything. But there are things that we can do in our everyday lives that reflect those things that are important to us. And one of the most important is definitely self-care and loving ourselves enough to care for ourselves so that we are full and able to care for others. So that when others come along, and this fits into the space of when others come along, we don't have to feel insecure about what it is that they bring or who they are because we're already secure and we love ourselves. And that's when you say, you know, having that individual love and self-love, that's what I hear. I don't need to be concerned about the next person coming along as even if they're totally different from me, I don't need to be weary, concerned, fearful, anxious about them because I'm good with me. I can be now more curious and I can be more now loving, more open to who they are and to what they can bring to my life and what I can bring to their life, right? Instead of being fearful and going, I don't want to know because I I feel a lot of it is pushback. It's like, I don't want to, I'm afraid and people won't tell you that they're afraid. They'll, they'll use all kinds of other words instead of saying, I'm just afraid of difference. I'm afraid of change. It makes me anxious. But if we were able to connect with that and to be able to verbalize or to say that, even to articulate it to ourselves, it's, this makes me a little nervous, but you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to be open to the possibilities here because I love myself enough and I want, and I want to love humanity enough to be okay with whatever's coming forth. So I absolutely love where you're coming from. And I do love that you, you know, correlated the two, uh, bird watching is the first is the newest thing I've heard. I'm surprised at myself too I have to say you know initially I was like oh I'm gonna sound crazy talking about birds I'm like no that's me I've got to start talking about it because I can't think of anything else it's dominating my thoughts but it's dominating it in a good way because I'm like it's it's really I am truly my working hours are no less you know, I fit in birding while the kids are sleeping before my meetings in the weekends. And I, I never knew that I had spare time. You, <laughs> I, you, you know, it's what's interesting. Well, is, let me tell you yeah. how, how this works. And that is a very, that is a very female thing. Women do not realize how much time that they spend that is, they just don't realize how much spare time they can, they are possibly can have because we're so busy always filling our time with so many different things, so many yeah. different people, so many different activities, so many different, so many different hats that we have to wear. Okay, this hat on now, what do I, what does that mean? This hat, what does that mean? And it's... <laughs> 
It's true. And and you t- I have to say that it's not that I do have spare time, but I'm making the time for myself. It's, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's important. Really, you know, I mean, y- y- you could fill it with cleaning the kitchen and doing the laundry and what have you. Uh, and you could fill it up with work as much as you want. But yeah. one of the things that I write in this article is that often we want to be better at what we do. Mm-hmm. And we keep thinking working more is going to make me better. And that's mm-hmm. not untrue. The more you have experience in something, you'll be better. But it's also true that if you can have a little time for yourself, that you will come back afresh to the thing that you want to focus on and you will be better. And so I, I am astonished at how much time I can dedicate to birding and photography and because I never had that time before. But that time is well used and is precious. It's on the calendar. Nobody can take that from me. And it really is helping everybody around me. And so that's what I would say to people. And for lawyers, particularly, it's just so important because we are, we are driven by the time that we put into the work. For different law firms have different models, but often it's the billable time and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to meet the deadline. But when you're in that cycle, you can become less effective. And mm-hmm. so if you can take yourself out for that 10 minutes on the deck, you'll come back and be more productive. And Absolutely. that's what I've learned. That's been my education. Well, that that's a, that's a huge education because I think uh, people don't often realize that 10 minutes, five minutes, just clearing your head, ch- changing your perspective for just a few minutes can be, make a world of difference in your day. So it's, it's a huge perspective to share for sure. Thank you. Thank yeah. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? Is there anything that we haven't touched upon right now as it relates to, you know, immigration or even self-care? Cause we've kind of gone into the self-care yeah. realm here, but yeah, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about immigration for a second because, you know, that's still my day job. And mm-hmm making sure that I can help people effectively. I, I help people with business immigration. So if you have a business, I help mm. them with their visas uh, for that, uh, green cards. I help people with family immigration, parent, children, spouses, that sort of thing. I help people with citizenship applications. I, I write about all of these things and the changes that are happening on a weekly basis on a mm. blog on mm-hmm. our website, whatsanimmigrationlaw.com slash blog. If people are interested, they mm-hmm. can sign up. But I host a, a podcast called Tamina Talks Immigration. I've had it for six years. And I talk about all the issues of immigration that is happening at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, as of this year, I'm launching a second podcast called The Startup Visa, mm-hmm. which is so exciting because it's a spin-off from my second book that I mentioned. Nice. And it's going to be talking about all the issues that affect businesses from an immigration perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'd love for you to be on the show to talk about the work you do. Because oh, thank you. Companies that I work with are starting off the ground. They need to set policies. Yes. And what you have to share and offer would be absolutely very useful to them. Well, thank you. I would absolutely love to do that. That'd be yeah. amazing. I can't <laughs> wait to speak again. And so yeah. I think, you know, as a professional, I love what I do. And I love it even more with each day that goes by, which is mm-hmm. 
a really great thing to be able to say. Absolutely. But it's a combination of all the things that I am that helps me be the best professional that I can be, want to be, and need Mm -hmm. to be for others. Yeah. Well, I love it. And I, I really appreciate what you do. Immigration law is, is definitely an area that I think could really use people, you know, people with heart and people with love, because as the child of immigrants, who also, of course, had, you know, aunts and uncles and everyone, my, my whole family is immigrants, right? And hearing their stories and knowing how even when you do it right, it can be trying and very, it's, it's a hard road to go, you know, especially when you're coming from a country where the language is different, the, the cultures are different, and you come here and you, there's so much to navigate. And so I, you know, I think that it's, it's so important to have someone in your corner who can really empathize and and be there to 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 kind of help you navigate all the paperwork and all the red tape that goes into becoming a citizen in this country because I know from the time my parents got here it has gotten much more difficult because you know because of thinking because of information that's being put out there and the way that people think of immigrants but you know most immigrants Immigrants are just people who are trying to do the best they can for themselves and for their families wherever they go. If they can't find it in one place, they're going to try to find it somewhere else. That's all immigrants are. And I think that when when people vilify immigrants or vilify immigration or vilify the need that people have, you know, vilify people who even those who come and seeking asylum they vilify those people, they really dehumanize their truly human experience of needing to be okay. We have basic needs and those are the basic needs that they're looking for so that they can then grow from there. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for your advocacy as well as you do what you do. And I just want people to understand immigration is such a large, there's so many aspects to immigration. So if you're going to want to talk about immigration, if you want to want to vilify immigration, please understand what you're talking about and who you are vilifying, because these are all humans. And so like, like Tamina said, we need to have that self-love first, for sure so that we can be open to all the others on all the other love that we can be available for. So Tamina, before we sign off, I have to ask you, of course, my signature question that I ask all of my guests, because we are on diversity dish. So we would all love to know what is your favorite dish? Can I name more than one? (laughs) <laughs> you can. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because I, I I'm not necessarily a foodie, but I do love a, a few things. So number one, I love sushi. When I go out, that's what I would like to have. Yeah. Um, when I am at home, I make my own soups. It's just a whole bunch of vegetables and saute, saute. Ooh. And either I'll put stock or I'll put 
lentils. I love it. My kids love it. But right this moment, my mom is visiting and my mom is cooking a lot of Bangladeshi dishes. And even though I'm like, oh my God, mom, rice again, it's going to add to my waistline. I can't, I can't resist. It's so delicious. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's really, really wonderful that my mom is cooking us really wonderful food. And my husband's like, mm, I'm just eating like a king. It's not so <laughs> He's going to miss your mom when she leaves. And Seriously. Says, Tamina, where's the beautiful Bangladeshi food? <laughs> exactly. Not from me. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for being here on Diversity Dish with me. It has been such a pleasure. It's been a, a pleasure for me. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to having more conversations with you in the future. Me too. Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.